Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about this new episode of our podcast. Today you're going to hear from Mitch Mason. Mitch is the chaplain for the University of North Carolina Tar Heels football program. Just an incredible story. I can't wait for you to hear from Mitch. Let's jump right into it. So thanks for joining me today, Mitch. Thanks for having me. You bet. So I'd like to start this off just with some basic information, because I know there's some listeners out there that don't know you and, and your background, so just... Tell us a little bit about who you are, maybe where you're from, your family growing up, and uh, your family today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. And, uh, well, first of all, I'll say that I serve as the uh, football chaplain here at, uh, at UNC in, uh, in Chapel Hill. But originally, I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida, and uh, grew up in a, in a two-parent home and uh, have two sisters. Uh, I'm the youngest of, uh, of three. And uh, so my uh, my dad is deceased now. My mom is in a in a nursing home there in Tampa and uh, uh, my two sisters are doing well. That's awesome. And uh, how long have you been in North Carolina? Oh, my Lord. I, I think it will be 10 years. Uh, at the, Yeah, it's been 10 years. Been a little oh, over wow. 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk more about your role there. In a little bit, um, you mentioned growing up in Florida and, and your family. Did you grow up in a family of faith? And then, at what point in your life did you realize mm-hmm. that you needed that personal relationship with Jesus? You couldn't, you know, there's nothing you could do to earn it, but sure. you just needed you needed to make it your own. Sure, you know, Stuart, I I think um, I actually grew up on the other end of the spectrum of of faith. I didn't grow up in a, in a, um, Christian home. Uh, we didn't, I being honest, I didn't know anything about Jesus Christ until after high school. And so we, uh, my father, um, my parents married when they were young and, you know, my father was, uh, you know, uh, uh, very abusive, man. He was alcoholic. He, you know, mm-hmm. would I just, man, it was hard. We, we must have moved, I don't know, at least 10 times before I graduated high school because we were always, you know, no money, being evicted. Um, at one point, we were homeless for a little bit. We lived in hotels for a long time. And so um, so I, I grew up uh, as far away from being a, a Christian environment as, as possible. And so I knew at a young age that uh, there had to be something that was better. There had to be, you know, there had to be a better life. And so for me, uh, I'm very small in stature. And so uh, football was my my out, if you will. It wasn't that I loved it, Stuart. It was more so that, you know, it was effortless for me to play mm. and uh, like on the, on the playgrounds, things like that. But the most important thing was it was something that I felt like, you know, once I put that helmet on, I could be me. You know, you're mm. always walking around with eggshells, at least we were, with my dad. And so, um, you know, I saw my mom try to take her like twice. Um, so it was really, it was really tough. And football was kind of the thing that the Lord was using at that time to uh, to kind of bring me through it. Wow. And so you said you, you heard about Jesus after high school. Um, mm-hmm. Was it, was it through the sports or college you know mm-hmm. how, where did you meet Jesus if you will I think along the line Stuart uh for an example um you know my great-grandfather 
that kind of uh, raised me like I was his grandson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the one that put the seed in there first. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a deacon in his church and uh, he lived in Kentucky. That's where my dad's family is from. And so, you know, you go back and, you know, you go to Easter and things like that and you hear different stories and he plants seeds in there. Cause I would always have to go to Kentucky in the summers to work at the farm. Well, um, you know, and then you had coaches that were, you know, really hard, but they would always plant that seed, whether it was an FCA Bible study mm-hmm. that I never went to, or it was, you know, to let me know it was there. There was always someone along the, uh, along the way that was sowing a seed, planting a seed, Mitch, I'm praying for you, you know, before this game, it was always somewhere. And it was like, um, you know, Stuart, for me to be very small, I went to a small college, Missouri Western State University, and God blessed it. Uh, I had nothing to do with it. He did it. And I was a two-time All-American corner there. And, um, you know, I would always say, man, why me? Because I'm so, I I come from nothing. And for him, uh, for me to receive accolades, to be, you know, really good, it was something bigger than me. And I knew it. It was something, it was bigger. And so that was the time uh, that I really wanted to pursue the Lord. Mm, that's awesome. So little did you know the Lord was using football to prepare you for where you are today, right? So <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned playing football in college, and I think you did some coaching after that. So give us a, mm-hmm. just a snapshot of um, after college football, what football, mm-hmm. your football journey and coaching? Well, as every college football player, you want to make it to the NFL. And so I went that route, free agent in camps, out camps, cut, release, all that stuff. Arena football is where I hung my hat for a mm. couple of years, played there. And that's where I got my coaching start uh, in New Mexico. And so was uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, hours I got hurt. Hours stepped down. They asked me to take the position while I was injured, did thrive. Next thing you know, I'm applying for a position at West Point. And, uh, and so I get the position that's there, which was coaching their, uh, sprint football team. And so, uh, so I did that. And, uh, so I cut my teeth there and, uh, at Army. And, uh, from there, that's where the, uh, while I was, while I was there, Stuart, uh, I was also in seminary. So mm. I did my, uh, we lived in Waxahachie, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas. And that's where I went to seminary, but I was still playing football at the time. And so while I was at West Point, uh, I was still in seminary. And as I was done, the season was coming to a close. And that's when the fork in the road came for me, whether it was going to be coaching, continuing to go the coaching route or follow the Lord's leading for ministry. Wow. So, so God calls you. I mean, coaching is a ministry, but God calls you mm-hmm. to vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. Vocational, yes. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So where where did he take you from there? Was it straight to North Carolina or where? Oh, no. You know? No, sir. It was actually uh, Clemson. So, oh, wow. Okay. All right. So the guy, and, and let me show you how, how funny God is. I am um, not saved. I'm in college, right? And I'm far from, I'm the other end of the spectrum. I tell anybody, listen, if I can get saved, anybody can get saved. I mean, I was the guy, profanity laced, just, oh my gosh, I was way out there, right? And so we would play this uh, college football, Bill Walsh college football game, right? So we'd always play it. And the team, I was always Alabama 92. 
And this team that beat me one time was Clemson, right? It's Clemson, 1981. <laughs> and they had this linebacker named Jeff Davis, and he was all over the field. Well, this team, nobody could beat me, but this team did. And I was cussing, fussing, like, who in the world is Clemson, 1981? Because you had throwback teams on there, right? And so I'm like, who in the world is Jeff Davis? I ain't never heard of this dude in my life. Well, make a long story short, I did some research on him. I'm like, man, he couldn't have been that good to be that good on a game. And I've never heard of him. You cannot be that good. Well, make a long story short, Lord's leading me a couple of years later. So I get, I'm in Tampa. Uh, uh, my cousin played for the Bucks, and uh, they uh, invited me to church one Sunday. So I'm there trying to get on with Tampa. And so uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I go to church with them and I am just, man, the Lord is calling me. And I'm like, man, if this pastor ever shuts up, I'm going and giving my life to Christ. And yeah. so as soon as the sermon is <laughs> up, man, I, I run up to the altar. I'm looking for, I run up to the altar. I pray the sinner's prayer. I'm tears. He asks me, I've never met this guy before. So he asks me, could you uh, step in my office, man, after, after the sober? So I go to the office. I'm wiping my tears. Stuart, I'm looking around, right? And I'm looking around the office waiting for the pastor to come in. And I see all these uh, little football memorabilia things, right? And I'm seeing this Clemson stuff. And I'm looking around. And I'm like, huh, this is weird. So I look over in the corner and I see a national championship trophy. And this thing is huge, right? And I'm like, what in the world? So I get up, go over there and look. And I'm like, MVP of the Orange Bowl. Who in the world is this? And I see the name, Jeff Davis. Wow. And I'm like, no, 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 God. No, no, no. So he comes in and he, uh, at that time, they all called me rookie because I was trying to get on with the Bucks and everything. So he, rookie. So he comes in and we talking. I said, man, you are you Jeff Davis? And he was like, yeah, I'm Jeff Davis. I said, don't tell me you were number 45 at Clemson. Yeah, that was me. That was So I'm like, Lord, have oh mercy. The God. guy that I used to be cussing out on, t- <laughs> on the game is the guy that leads me to the Lord. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Stuart, some 10 years passed, right? Somewhere, like, I, it might not be the 10, somewhere up in there, some 10 years back. We hadn't talked. We hadn't done anything. So remember, I'm at West Point. And I'm ready to go back to West Point, but there's something in me that's saying, no, no, not going to go back. Well, we're still living in da- in Waxahachie, and I'm there. I have to go home because I had to have knee surgery, arena football injury. So I have surgery there. I'm recovering at home. Man, my family is back under the same roof. We're close. You know, we're getting close, man. My wife and I are growing closer again because it's been a season I've been away. And so, man, we just and I don't want to go back to West Point, but sign the contract. Got to go back. Da, da, da. Right. Well, anyway, it's time for me to go back. My kids grabbing on to me. Daddy, don't leave. Don't leave. And I'm like, no, I got to go. Well, anyway, we uh, my wife and I, we get a call from I get a call from Jeff Davis. I ain't talked to this dude in about 10 years. Calls me up and says, hey, rookie, man, how you doing? We catch up, whatever. Ministry. OK, great. Well, he uh he asked, he said, listen, man, uh, Dabo Sweeney's got this head job. I'm the director of player relations now. I've got a church here that I started maybe four or five years ago, and I can no longer pastor it. And I'm looking for a pastor. And the Holy Spirit told me you the guy. Well, I answered quickly, uh, Stuart. I said, tell the Holy Spirit he lied. I'm not passing the church. And he was like, Man, just come to Clemson. Come on, check it out. Da, da, da. I'd never been to Clemson, didn't know anything about it. 
Well, anyway, the next day, my wife, Chandra, and I jump on the plane. We go to Clemson, right? And I tell her in the backseat, he picks us up. We hug, reunited, because I served in his church while he was in Tampa. I was the, I, being honest with you, I was the, uh, I was the maintenance guy. I was the one cleaning the toilets. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. And so anyway, we catch up and I tell my wife, smile and act like you like it, but we ain't coming to Clemson. And so we there three days and we hey, see the church hey, and everybody, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. you the pastor. No, I'm not the pastor. I coach Paul. I'm da, da, da. And so anyway, the third day we're there. We wake up one morning, man. My wife gives me this look and I'm saying, no, no, no. She's like, yes, I think this is where we're supposed to come. Wow. Well, the Holy Spirit, you know, just confirmed it. Right. So check this out. Let me show you how funny God is and I'll cut it off. So I'm supposed to go back to West Point. I have knee surgery. Mm -hmm. We go back to Dallas. I'm like, I'm not moving to Clemson. I said, Lord, if you want me to move to Clemson, you're going to have to get me out of this contract that I signed. And uh, he said, okay. And so I'm, I'm, I go back. My doctor calls me and says, hey, coach, can you come in? So I go see him downtown, downtown Dallas. I go see him. What's happening, doc? Nurse comes in, rubbing my shoulders. Mr. Mason, would you like a cup of cold water? I'm like, for what? What's going on? He comes in. He holds my MRI up to the light. And he said, Coach, you've done more damage to your knee post-surgery than you had pre-surgery. I'm not giving you the green light to coach this season. You have got to have another surgery on your knee. And I was like, what? So I call, I go down to my car, I call West Point. They was like, Mitch, we'll call you back. Duty on the country, right? So they called me back and they said, Coach, you have been everything we wanted here. You've honored this place and we want to honor you. We're releasing you from your contract. Get your knee taken care of. Wow. As soon as I hung the phone up, the Holy Spirit said, now will you move to Clemson? Yeah, and that's God. how we got started in ministry. Wow. How long were you at Clemson? Uh, three years. Yeah. I want to say three, maybe a little less than three years. How'd you end up in North Carolina? I mean, Clemson and North Carolina aren't exactly friendly, friendly teams, oh, right? I mean, you know, it's a little oh, conference rival there. So oh, how'd you end up at Tar Heel? Man, it was just, just the Lord doing it. Um, you know, uh, while serving as associate pastor there at, at uh, Freeway Church there in Clemson, you know, you're ministering to student athletes, coaches from all everybody there at the university. And so, um, you know, when it came time, Larry Fedora got the head job at UNC. And one of the first things that he was looking for was a chaplain. So he went through FCA uh, mm -hmm. to, to Johnny Evans uh, here in, uh, in uh, Eastern North Carolina, FCA director. So he calls Johnny Evans because Coach Fedora had a, a chaplain at uh, Southern Miss where he came from. So we called Johnny, and Johnny called uh, uh, Shane Williamson, who was now the FCA president, uh, but at that time he wasn't. And so Shane was like, I, I've heard of a guy uh, there at Clemson that uh, I think would be a great fit. He and James Trapp, uh, well, James Trapp, who was the, the chaplain at the time, uh, Tony Eubanks stepped down. James Trapp was now the chaplain. He and I worked together. And uh, he called and was like, hey, man, I think you're the guy. So I make a long story short, came over, interviewed with Johnny Evans, then interviewed with Larry Fedora. And, uh, man, Coach Fedora and I were like long lost cousins. And so the Lord really uh, just set that thing up, man. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. 
So I got here. What does it what does it look like in your role? Um, you know, we were recording this in August fall camp. So what does it look like the team chaplain at the beginning of a season? Kind of give us a snapshot of what your role looks like. Well, you are the spiritual and uh, spiritual and character development um, uh, character coach that's there, or that chaplain providing pastoral care. Uh, your Bible studies, your one-on-one counseling, because remember, a lot of these guys you've known from recruiting. And so you develop those relationships and they come in and they are upset about playing time, upset where they are on the depth chart or something's happening at home or have broken up with their girlfriend or the Lord's convicting them of something. And so you're there uh, really as that uh, that spiritual presence that the guys don't get a chance to uh, to get uh, while they're going through fall camp or during the season uh, when they're not able to attend church all the time. So you're the hands and feet of Christ in mm. this environment uh, that, as you know, Stuart, that is pretty, uh, you know, intense. And so, oh, yeah. uh, and so, man, you're, you know, you're there to serve them if that, uh, if all of that makes sense. It's such an in critical role because there's, I mean, it's never been easy, but now more than ever, the pressure to perform on these guys oh, because Lord, of the yeah. money that's poured into these programs and the pressure that's right. on the programs to win which, you know, puts some players on even more of an edge because, I mean, somebody's Absolutely. looking at your job every week. So Absolutely. you play a vital role. So, but you also have your family of your own. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance this demanding job, you know, ministry that you have with, with North Carolina? How do you balance that with leading your own family, being a husband and a dad? You know, I think... Um, a lot of people will say, well, I leave my work at, at home or I leave my work at work. And then when I come home, I, I never really change hats to it. I got to be honest mm. with you. I never really do, man. I'm, I'm Mitch all the time. You know, I'm, I'm a servant of the Lord all the time. Now that servant uh, role will change when it's uh, when it's home, which is prime. That's prominent. If there's mm-hmm. no, if there's no, no, um, if my home life is not right, I dare not try to go to work to minister to someone else. Amen. And so it's 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 critical that I be the husband, be the father, be the provider, be the servant that my family needs in any capacity that they need. And so I try to make sure that they uh, their needs are met and taken care of before I try to go in to do it at work. So I don't... Um, Really, man, it just flows out of home, you know, so it just, you know, my home life is right. And it's easy to minister at uh, at, at work. That's awesome. I love that. I and mean, that's a good reminder for anybody, for those in ministry and those not that uh, if your home life is not right, then it's uh, it's going to it's going to impact everything. So that's good. Everything. So I want to shift to, you know, <clears throat> the last couple few years you've been on a medical journey. You've had, mm-hmm. some, you know, and I'll let you tell the story, but a lot of challenges and faced a lot of uncertainty. So kind of walk mm-hmm. us through what you want to share with the Lord, lays in your heart to share about your recent medical journey. And then I've got a couple of questions about that after you after you share just a little bit about it. Sure. Be quick about it. In August of 2019, after practice, just a routine run started vomiting early in the run. Um, I've been doing this 
for weeks. And so it was nothing where it was too strenuous. It was early in the run, vomiting, and then I couldn't catch my breath. We thought it was something that uh, you possibly had eaten. No big deal. Uh, we're playing Georgia Tech on the road. I kind of I, I eat something, salmon. Um, man, I just, you know, I'm dry heaving, vomiting, dry eating all night. Uh, faint on the sidelines that uh, the following game day knew it was something more critical. Um, we, we, you know, we, we, we chased the autoimmune, we chased the migraines, we chased everything and nothing came to, came about. Meanwhile, it's 2020 and I'm really sick and I'm really going downhill. Well, uh, my pastor comes over and, uh, I had been seeing everyone at UNC who were great. And uh, my primary is at, uh, is, uh, at UNC. And so, I, um, you know, he comes and he was like, Mitch, you want you get a second opinion? My neurologist is really good. She's at Duke. And so uh, she's a chair over there at Duke. So uh, uh, my wife talked to Christy Fedora, who, uh, and remember at this time, uh, Coach Brown is here. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's 2020, June of 2020. And so Christy Fedora talks to Larry Fedora, her husband, who calls David Cutcliffe, who calls his trainer, who calls Dr. Haas. So that's how I got in to wow. uh, the Duke. And so um, I'm really in bad shape while I'm there at Duke. We don't know what's going on other mm-hmm. than I'm having these pain attacks. I'm, I'm losing the ability to, to walk. I'm um, my function are is shutting down. And so uh, we don't know. So she does, I don't know, seem like an hour and a half, two hour exam. She comes back in and she says, um, and I'm 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 lying on the table because I'm really like not doing well. She comes back in and she says, "You have something, Mitch, that's called uh, small fiber uh, neuropathy." And I threw it on the table. I raised my hands in victory, like yes, because the only thing I heard was small. And so she said, "No, no, no, you. This is serious." So I raise up there. And I said, what do you mean? She said, Mitch, you in for a fight. And she mm. says, we've got a we've got a big fight on our hands. She said, I'll I will fight if you will fight. Mm. And I'm like, what is this? And so she began to explain to me that uh, it's the the name because we did tests, more tests after that. And the correct name for it is idiopathic small fiber polyneuropathy. Uh my small nerve fibers, Stuart, are damaged and are dying, and we don't know why. And the small nerve fibers run throughout your body. They're your peripheral nervous system, mm-hmm. your autonomic nervous system, and mine are dying. So if you have 10, now I'm down to five, and those five are working overtime. Uh, they had control your uh, uh, pain sensory, uh, touch, feel, uh, your regulating heart. Um, your autonomic things that you typically automatically do. And for whatever reason, uh, it's called poly because mine are two different nervous systems. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, it has progressed at a fast uh, rate. And uh, small fiber, uh, does it? there's no cure for it. But I'm really behind the eight ball because uh, there's no cause of why I have it, which is why mm. it's called idiopathic. So no diabetes, not even pre-diabetic, no cancer, no autoimmune, no infectious disease like HIV or anything like that. So 
uh, uh, Duke has been involved, uh, UNC, the Mayo Clinic, specialists in Birmingham and Atlanta, and no one has been able to uh, figure out what is going on. So in the meantime, because we can't figure out uh, what's happening, we can only treat the symptoms. And mm-hmm. so I have, uh, we are at a three-tiered thing where we're uh, trying to slow this thing down. And it's meds, infusions every 28 days. And uh, I have a spinal cord stimulator that's been inserted into my spine to help me with walking. My pelvis has felt like it was crushed. So I missed the last four games last year. And all of it, Stuart, is a small fiber. It has controlled every part of my body. Uh, If you take your palm of your hand and you, you just hold your hand out, and you just relax it, it will automatically close. That's what my body is trying to do. It mm. is trying to, uh, it is losing function. Um, um, it is losing a lot of the ability that it once had. So um, I'll, I'll share this with everyone because I want them to know I'm transparent about it. Um, we can um, we, we can slow this thing. We're trying to slow it down. And we feel like these three things can, but doctors know that they can't stop it. And so, mm-hmm. um, so right now the, uh, the, the hope is, is that this, um, all three of these things will slow it down. But, you know, I've been recently told that this is, uh, this is the time where I have to rely on my faith. And so, um, and I've had a great group of doctors. Everybody's been awesome. My family's been awesome. The support system has been awesome. Uh, around me at UNC, Coach Brown and Miss Sally have been amazing. Uh, my pastors have been amazing here in, in Chapel Hill. Um, and at the end of the day, Stuart, we know that this is uh, this is God is going to have to step in and uh, you know and and and, uh, and write this thing. And Stuart, it's like and and, and I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll say this: um, while the prognosis uh, long term doesn't look good for me. Uh, I don't care about the long term, to be honest with you. I care about the daily term, what it, what what I am doing with what I have. You know, um, I don't care about tomorrow. I really don't. I care about right now. And uh, I am trying to do what I can while I can. Um, I know that I'm beginning to lose. I've lost a lot of strength and I'm beginning to lose a lot of uh physical uh, abilities and um you know it's just part of it so i don't complain uh hey listen them three boys in that fire baby and daniel chapter three the old boy said listen our god will deliver us but even if he doesn't let it be known we ain't bowing down and mm. that's the same mentality that i have Stuart. I don't care if I'm talking to you or if I'm in the bathroom by myself. I'm not going to bow down to this day. Um, no, I bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And so that's where we are. Well, first, I'm going to say uh, it's not often that I'm at a loss for words. Um, but listening to you, I mean, I've read some about your story, but hearing you tell it firsthand um, number one, I, I just, I can't imagine. Um, but I will say I'm, I'm more encouraged after hearing you tell it than what I knew because you said y'all hope 
that these three tier things will slow it down. But when I heard the word hope, I almost kind of tuned out what you were saying because I, because it really hit me that what you were talking about, the way you ended it is there is hope and it's not in the medicine. It's right. not in the stabilizer. I mean, those things are great. You know, that's right. That's I believe right. God, I believe God uses technology and medicine and doctors to treat us, but you just described the living hope that only can be found in Jesus. Because when you started talking about, and I don't know how, I don't know how you do this because it's easier to, you know, I hope I could have the same mindset. Um, I, I'm probably rambling a little bit to get to my point, but no, when you, I understand. When, you, when you said you don't care about the long-term prognosis, you're talking about today. I was just kind of blown away and that's really when when God just really hit me when you were talking about that is some of us may have a serious medical issue like you. Many of us don't, but we all should attack every day with the same mentality of today because just because I don't have a known mm -hmm. medical condition I'm fighting, I'm not promised tomorrow either. That's right. right? That's so exactly right. It just where my mind is right now is what if all of us, what if all people who claim to be followers of Christ attacked today with the same perspective that you are, that today is the only day that matters. We could change this world. You know, Stuart, my, I, I had a doctor's visit a while ago and uh, went in to see my main neurologist and she comes in. I hadn't seen her in a while. So she comes in and uh, we hug and she said, man, Mitch, how you doing? And I said, doc, I could not be any better. And mm. she said, really? So what's, what's, how, why would you, you know? And I said, I am so glad that this is happening to me. And she said, why in the world would you say that? Have you lost your mind? I said, yeah, doc, I've lost my mind and I ain't looking for it neither. And I said, I am so glad because when I became a Christian, I told her, I said, when I became a Christian, I gave my heart to Jesus. Mm. But it has only been through this. I've learned to depend on Jesus. See, Stuart, man, it doesn't matter if I, I could care less about anything man all of this is temporary but man i'm talking about eternal life man i'm talking about totally surrendering to the lord jesus nothing has pierced my heart like this where you have you're totally you 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 are at the mercy of god every day all throughout the day if he doesn't do it it ain't gonna get done and so i'm totally dependent on him and guess what that's where I need to be. And that's oh, why yeah. I'm so thankful. Yes, I'm totally dependent on it. So I I I man, my my mindset of caring about a lot of let me just say it like this, I'll quit rambling. The thing that had its grip on me has lost it. Amen. I used to look at this thing like, oh man, I gotta try to hang on. I can't oh my gosh, what am I gonna you know, because you hey, at the end of the day, it's fear. And at the end of the day, is you concerned about dying? Well, you know what? I can promise you, Stuart, as sure as I'm talking to you, I don't care anymore because I know where I will be spending eternity. 
And you might as well try to take as many people with you, right? You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what it's about. Yes, yeah. ministering, uplifting the kingdom of God and the king while you're still here. Oof. Wow. That's that's powerful. And and what and what a, I mean, just quite honestly, just what a testimony of, and like I said a few minutes ago, just a reminder of that's really why we're here. And God is using you to live out where Jesus said, basically, you know, take up your cross every day. And then he told people, you know, leave your mom, leave your sick, leave the dead and come follow me. And, you know, when you're, I mean, you've been faced with a literal come follow me, you know, leave everything behind. Right. When a lot of us, Mm -hmm. you know, we think we think we're leaving things behind and following Jesus. But, you know, I got my I got my hand on my iPhone. It's got access Mm -hmm. to my bank. Got my bank Mm -hmm. account. I'm watching that, Mm -hmm. you know, and with today's economy, you're watching retirement accounts, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got me over here thinking, okay. Total surrender. What's that look like in my life? Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say this to people listening. I normally don't do this, but I, I just want to say this. If you're listening and you have, number one, you feel you're feeling convicted, feeling called, you're feeling the, the guy's trying to get a hold of your heart because you don't understand what we're talking about. You don't understand this total surrender. Send us a message. Send me so, and we will, we will contact you because this is this is real Amen. stuff here. Um, you know, this total surrender and following Jesus is 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 not to be taken lightly. It's not something we we put one foot in. So, man, what, right. what what a testimony! So, how you you just told a story about telling telling a doctor that you know you you know basically were blessed. Are there any other like testimonies or stories you have where God has used this to maybe it's with, with an athlete there in North Carolina or maybe oh, man. a coach yes. where you know where God has used used he this is, story? Oh my gosh. I um I'll sum it up like this. I'm on the sidelines last year and uh we're at a home game and um I uh, I I'm on the sidelines, I'm walking. And a player, steward that I've never laid eyes on before, walks up to me, he's a walk-on, walks up to me, he says, Coach Mitch, thank you for saving my life. And he said, you led me to the Lord. And I said, really? You know, when did I? And in and, and my mind, I'm like, I've never seen you before. You know, and I this thing affects your memory, so I, I get it. And so I'm, um, uh, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, okay, you know, how and when? I said, when did I do that? And he said, by your walk, because you can't face this and not know the Lord. So thank you. And Stuart, that's what it's about, man. It's it's not about what I say. It's about how I live through adversity and how I can still honor him in spite of. Man, I don't, I don't care anything about, man, I, I just care about honoring the Lord Jesus and, and, and telling people more so now. I've had 10 years to tell him with my mouth, tell him with my mouth. Now I get to show him with my life. And this Christianity, man, it's, 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 um, it's real to me. 
and I care about honoring the Lord. So, you know, that's what it's about. You said it earlier um, in Mark chapter 8, 35, and that's the verse that really changed my life. You know, when, you know, Jesus, he turns to the crowd to take up your cross daily, come follow me. He tells the disciples, he turns to the crowd and he says, if anyone desires to follow me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it desires to save their life, you got to lose it. But the, in, if you want to lose your life, uh, for my sake and the gospel, you'll save it. Well, I love the New Living Translation of that, where Jesus says, you know, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you lose it for my sake and the gospel, oh, steward that thing, change my life. Try to hang on to your life. Steward, I've been, you name it, I've done it. You name the, the, the treatment, I've done it. You name it. We've done everything to try to hang on to who I was, try to get me back to who I was, try to hang on to it. But Stuart, telling you, I've said no, I let go. I let go. I've, I've, I've never, I've, I've let, go. let go. You know that, that testimony of the walk-on player who said he just watched your walk that's so important because in today's culture where and I'm and I'm not so if anybody thinks I'm about to go down the road of politics, I'm not, but we're very divided, right? Sure. And so we're in a culture now, both inside the church and outside, where we have to be right. And we will mm-hmm. argue among right. ourselves because I'm right, right? And people are watching that, right? And they're going, why, why would I go be a follower of Christ when all they care about is thumping the Bible and telling me I'm wrong? And so our actions aren't matching up, right, to the, to the words right. we're sharing. And so I just that's think that's right. so important that today, yes, words are important. Yes, we need to share about Jesus. We need to tell people what Jesus has done in our life. But if we're not modeling it, that's right. it don't matter what we say. That's you know, exactly right. It's easy for me to get on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, or social media of choice and share a Bible verse. That's easy. And it's easy for me to tell people what sin is and who Jesus is. But if I'm at work or I'm at home or I'm out in my community acting a fool. That's right. Pe- people see both and they're like, I don't want anything to do with that, Jesus. That's exactly right. right. Unfortunately, you know we live in a world where we are our behavior it is it is made the gospel it's made jesus that relationship with jesus is made people is made him appear repulsive mm-hmm. and so people are going away from the church and they're anti-god more than ever and so i'll say this that um you know you are either in a, a kingdom of god or you're not It's either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world. And when you're in the kingdom of God, it has nothing to do with color of your skin. It has nothing to do with status, where you may be, where you may work, what you do, uh, politics. I voted for Trump. I don't, I can't stand Trump. It has nothing to do with that. When you are a kingdom of God person, you are led by the spirit of God. That means that you are ministering to people regardless of what they look like on the outside. And I'm not ashamed to say that that young man that came up to me 
was white. So it has nothing to do with skin color. When you model what Jesus Christ talked about, his life, and that doesn't mean perfect. It does mean being perfectly honest. Mm. People need authenticity now more than anything. They're the ones that say, people need to see when you make a mistake, I'm sorry. That's on me. It is my fault. They need to see less pointing the finger and more saying, okay, what do I have to do to make this thing right? And they need to see more authenticity in every facet of life. That is modeling Christian behavior. And that is what's missing. I can't, how can I blame you? How can I point the finger at you and call you a sinner when I've done the same thing? Or I've made a mistake some years ago. God forgave me. Now I don't want to forgive somebody. No, 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 no. Sin is sin, baby. It doesn't matter if it's homosexuality versus stealing. It doesn't matter what it is, man. Sin is sin. And you don't, we don't have time to point the finger or get into a shouting match or see who's right, who's wrong, what political side you're on. We don't have time for that. The second coming of Christ is coming. He's coming soon, man. And we better get this thing together or a lot of us going to be in trouble. Whew, I'm going to start a hashtag. Be like Mitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Live like Mitch. I mean, but no, I say that kind of half, half joking, but you know, you're facing something that most of us can't identify with, right? It's truly, you know, that a serious condition to where, you know, you face a choice amazingly, you know, you're, you're choosing to live every day as if it is your day. And, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I know that the impact you're having there, I'm sure we could talk for hours on that. I'm sure if we called, you know, Coach Brown or any other member of the North Carolina staff, they would say the same thing. So I'm just blown away by your, number one, your transparency uh, truly encouraged me because we also live in a time when we're supposed to have it all together and we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to let our guard down because that mm -hmm. shows weakness, right? You know, mm -hmm. and as and as a follower of Christ, I've got to I've got to show people I have it all together. So, right. man, <laughs> I, I appreciate the just the openness of of the conversation, just being completely honest and you know what you faced. But more than that, I mean, just the encouragement to me personally and everybody listening to whatever you're facing, whether it's medical, financial. Mm -hmm. um, relationally, don't bow down. That's right. Don't bow down. That's right. to, bow down to Jesus and Jesus only. Don't bow down to, you know. There's there's a lot of people fighting mental illness right now. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, that's bow right. down to Jesus and. That's right. That's right. Amen. Yeah, Amen. that's good. Um, I'm going to do one thing that I, I I never do, but I'm going to do it just to close this out. Um, I want to pray for you. Um, to, to end you, it, that, that God would continue to to give you strength and increase your days because you're making an impact. So let's let's close this out with uh, with prayer, and then uh, then we'll end it. God, we just um, I just thank you for the opportunity to connect with a guy like Mitch and um, just his openness, his, his transparency, but his his passion for you. And God, you know all the details of the medical situation he's fighting, literally fighting day by day. And God, we just pray that you would continue to use the doctors, use the treatment to to give him strength, to prolong his days. And God, because we know 
the impact he's having day by day at um, both the University of North Carolina, but even beyond. Um, His story touches many, um, many that he doesn't even know. So, God, I pray that you would increase his days so that more people may see you. And, God, I pray for his family. Um, I can't imagine a family member facing the crisis that he's facing um, and facing it with such humility and um, and just love for you um, and thankfulness that we see from he and his family. So God continue to to bless his family, strengthen his family. And, you know, you talk about Paul writes in Philippians, God, to um, present our request to you with thanksgiving in our heart. And then goes on to say your promise that the a peace that pers- surpasses all understanding. So God, we just pray for Mitch and his family that they can experience that peace that is beyond their comprehension, beyond their understanding, because it only comes through you. God, we thank you. We love you. And again, just thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. Man, I appreciate it. It was good. I'm fired oh, up now. Oh, you got it, brother. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'm serious. Been, Thank you for you having me. Well, what an incredible story. Just an incredible time with Mitch. Um, just emotional. Um, very encouraging. And, and I'm not even going to prolong this, this closing. I'm just going to say a couple of things. Total dependence on Christ. Um, what an example. And, and, and don't bow down. Don't bow down. Make your days matter. Make today matter. Thank you for listening. Send this to somebody. Forward it to a family member or a friend that may need some encouragement. Maybe somebody in your life you know is battling um, a difficult situation. Send it. I can't think of a better testimony to send somebody today. Thank you. We love you. We appreciate your support. Find us on social media. Just go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Type in All In Sports Outreach. You can find out all about us. We love you. Once again, Thank you for your support and continued prayers.